I hope you brought your Bibles and I hope you brought something to write with because I'm gonna give you some stuff tonight that prayerfully you're gonna go back and refer to. If you may take notes on your phone, y'all may be technology and can do that and more power to you. That's great. I am not and I'm sticking with my old spiral notebook. And so just uh, take some good notes tonight because I'm gonna... I'm going to teach some, I'm going to, but I do feel like girls and I'm not just, I don't say this lightly. And if you've been around or heard me speak or know me at all, I, I don't just say this lightly. I don't throw around. I really feel like this is the heart of God. I don't say that just to say it, but I do feel like, I do feel like God's put this on my heart for the time that we live in right now. And, and so I just want y'all to really, really, um, uh, lean in tonight, hear this, open your heart, take some good notes. And I'm titling this deeply rooted in him, deeply rooted in him. And I'm going to explain to you what that means. And, uh, uh, again, prayerfully walking out of here as we've prayed just throughout the weeks leading up to this praying today that, that you would leave here more settled, more confident, more courageous, more full of strength, more settled than when you walked in here. Because there's a lot of stuff happening out there. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. There's a lot of stuff happening out there. And if, if we're not careful, and if we're not deeply rooted, and I'm gonna lay this out to y'all, so you're gonna have no question what this means. But if we're not deeply rooted, what happens out there affects in here, when in reality, what happens in here should affect what's happening out there. That's the way God's ordained it. And I'm not talking about a building, though we are blessed and thankful and grateful for our buildings. I'm talking about the people that reside and are planted in this building. That if we're not careful, what's happening out there affects us so deeply instead of what we allow God to do in us in here to affect out there so deeply. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that tonight. Tonight, you guys, again, you know you don't have to watch the news very, very long to know that this last year and a half in particular has been the most unusual year any of us have ever walked through. I don't know, in, and we say it's unprecedented, it's really not unprecedented. There's times in history that things have happened, maybe not exactly like this, but it's unprecedented in our lifetime. I don't know about y'all, but in our lifetime, church has never shut down for six months before. In our lifetime, stores and businesses didn't shut down. In our lifetime, we haven't seen the political divide and the racial divide. In our lifetime, we haven't seen just one bad news after another, after another. When you think you, you're so... You're so worn out from hearing all the bad news. There's a reason that God's word is called the good news. Because people need the good news today more than ever before. And we can either look at what's happening out there and be discouraged by it. Be, be, be anxious over it. Be fearful of it. Fear ha has been unleashed. Or we can look at it and go, what an opportunity we have to be a light in the darkest world we've ever seen. It's simply the, it's simply the way we choose to look at it. 
Again, either we can let the darkness invade us or we can let our light invade the darkness. And that is absolutely our choice as to which way it's going to work. And again, I'm, I'm going to get into all that. But this is what's happened this last year and a half. And I'm just telling you from my perspective. And this is what I, I'd, like to, I'd like to explain it this way. And again, I'm not in the grave and the girls or kids keep telling me, mom, you can act like you're dying. Okay, I'm not dying. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm, I'm not in the grave yet. But I have lived long enough and I've walked with God long enough to see some things in my lifetime. And, and I like to liken it to uh, the older I get, it's like the higher I sit up in the bleachers. And if you've been at a football game, you can sit on the ground floor and you can watch the game being played and you can see it, but you can only see a certain perspective because you're right there on ground floor. But the higher you get up in the bleachers, you can, your, your perspective broadens and you can see one end zone to the other end zone. You can see the plays being run out and you can have a better understanding of what's happening in the game, the higher you sit. And so in life, I feel like just with every year that passes, I get a little bit higher in the stands and higher in the stands and higher in the stands. And that I spend most of my time now giving perspective to people. I may not have all the answers and I may not even, uh, even know all the answers to give, but I certainly can give a perspective from where I sit. And so just tonight, from where I sit in this perspective, and those of you that are are more seasoned in your life, you're going to understand that. Your perspective now is not what it was 20 years ago. My perspective 20 years ago was standing in front of the sound booth, squalling my eyes out, bawling like a baby, sending my kids on a missions trip. My perspective 20 years later is, thank God, I pushed past the fear and sent them because it was the plan that God had for their life and it was a part of their story that they are living to tell. But from the perspective that I sit in, in where our world is and what is happening in our world and in our community, even in our nation, is that what has been so unbelievable to me is how even, even, and I'm talking about, I'm going to be talking about Christians tonight. I'm not talking about the lost. We get aggravated with the world, but the, the world is acting like the lost. They're acting like lost people are supposed to act because they're lost. And we forget that we too were lost one time. So how dare we sit in our seat and point the finger in judgment over what the lost is or isn't doing? They're lost. It's us as believers that should know better. It's us as believers that should act different. It's us as believers who should walk different and lead the way differently. And so tonight I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about the lost who don't know him. I'm talking about those who do know him. That is what has astounded me is how this has taken so many believers, so many people that love God, taken them off of their game. Like knock them like just knock them for a loop. We were all knocked for a loop. Because again, this has never happened before and COVID comes and everything changes and one thing after another after another. And I'm not gonna take the time to read this, but to just jot this reference down in James chapter one, it talks about being blown to and fro like the waves of the wind, like the waves that'll come in the ocean and, it's, and you're blown to and fro. And, and James says that, that that man or that woman is unstable in all their ways. 
And that's what's happened during this season. That people have been blown to and fro and whichever the wind is blowing is the way they're going. And whatever the news is saying this night is affecting the way you live your life at and whatever your political party is, whatever they're saying affects how you live your life. And it's back and forth and it's back and forth. And the Bible says that we're, if you live like that, you're unstable in all of your ways. It's like the, the rug's been pulled out from underneath you. There's no stability. There's no certainty. There's no confidence. There's nothing you can stand on. It's what it feels like. And so there's been two different types of people in, the, again, my perspective sitting up here, in, in the season that we're in, there's been a group of people that have run to God that have hung on to him closer than ever before, that have run to him. The Bible says that he is my strong tower, my refuge, who I run to and I take safety in. But then there's another group. Remember, we're talking about believers that's run away from God. Not that they've made a choice to run away from God, but they've let the world dictate to them which way they're gonna go and they're blown to and fro and they've gone farther and shifted and drifted farther and farther and farther away from God. And it's so easy because church was shut down for six months and we haven't been in church for six months and then we open the church up again and then there's the fear COVID is real. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not. We've had it. We were very sick. It is real. We have lost loved ones. We know people. I am not disregarding, but the spirit of fear that has come in and taken over people, it's paralyzed us to where we're not living a life of victory anymore. We're living a life of defeat, trying to hold on to the end of the rope and just hang on and hope that we make it. And that was never God's promise for us that we should be leading the way going. This is how we walk when we know him. As believers, this is how we walk through dark times. We're not going to always be on the mountaintop. There are dark days. There are valleys that we walk through. But that as believers, greater is he who lives in us than he who lives in the world. That we're not having to walk through this by ourselves. That we can hold our head up and put our shoulders back and go, I don't know what's going to happen when I walk out there. But I know that the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And I'm going to walk through this like a woman that's not walking by myself. I'm just getting started, I just, but are y'all with me? I want to challenge y'all tonight. I want to encourage you tonight. Our greatest days are ahead of us. They're not behind us. The darker it gets out there, the lighter the light of Jesus shines in us the greater the opportunity we have to tell others about him. You want to talk about people's hearts being open right now? They are wide open, wide open. You can see the fear on people's face. You can see the fear that they walk under. You can see the anxiety that they walk under. And you don't have to have a 10 point sermon and message to preach to them. All you've got to do is walk up to them and go, can I pray for you? God's put you on my heart and I know you don't know me from Adam, but could I just say a prayer for you and you want to watch people just break before your very eyes because they're scared 
and they feel helpless, they're discouraged, they're anxious, they're depressed, they're isolated, they're by themselves, it's uncertain, they don't know what's ahead of them, we have the answer. I wanna encourage y'all in that tonight. Psalms chapter one has been on my heart for several months now. I've pondered on it for a long time and I'm gonna want you to go to Psalms chapter one in your Bibles tonight. Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. You open it up smack dab in the middle and you're gonna land on Psalms and you're gonna get to Psalms, the very first chapter. And the book of Psalms is primarily written by David, King David. Though others, there's others that have written in Psalms as well. And this is a book of songs that David wrote out and different priests and different uh, sons of Korah, worship leaders would write it out back in Bible times, songs that they would write out. And Psalms chapter one has always held a very dear place in my heart because back in the day when Eugene and I, back, we were in Texas and we were youth pastors. This was over 30 years ago. And we were youth pastors and we led a youth group at one of the churches that we were on staff. And so we had a discipleship uh, group with our young people who were not, it wasn't the whole youth group, but we handpicked some leaders who were just really had a, you could tell had something really extra special on them, had some real leadership on them. And we did a discipleship class with them and we called it the Fire Institute. I don't know if it'd go over today or not, but we thought it was pretty cool 32 years ago, you know. 32 years ago, I'd be wearing those rhinestone jackets, Jenna. And I'd be rocking those white boots. So we had this discipleship group and it was called the Fire Institute. And so it ha- we had a handful of young people, teenagers. And so we would have them meet us at the uh, church and we put them in the church van at, on Tuesday mornings at 5 a.m. This is teenagers at 5 a.m. And we would put them in the church van and then we would drive around their high schools and we would pray over their schools. And we'd pray over every school that was represented in that van. And we would drive and we'd pray and we'd drive and we'd pray and we'd drive and we'd pray for an hour. And then at six o'clock, we would drive to the donut shop and we'd feed everybody donuts. And we'd talk about what we felt like God was doing and then we would take them to school and drop them off. And it was that group that we, that we were, had this discipleship group with that we did this prayer every Tuesday around the schools and we had them memorize Psalms chapter one. And it's only six verses, but it's a Psalm that lays out what two different roads of life looks like. There's a road of the righteous and the godly and what happens if you choose that road? And there's a road of the wicked. And what, if you choose that road, what it looks like. And I don't want you to get, I'm gonna talk about this in a second. I don't want you to get wrapped up in the word wicked. Thinking, okay, well, you've got to be, you know, you know, kind of demon worshiper and voodoo people and all that. No. Don't get wrapped up in wicked and discount. Okay, well, at least I don't do that. Just hold on. <laughs> but it, sh- it lays out two different roads. And we had these teenagers memorize this. And so it always holds a very dear place in my heart. And a couple of months ago, back at the beginning of the summer, God really started putting Psalms chapter one back on my heart again. I went back and reread it, reread it, rememorized it, reread it. And going, this lays out really where we're at in these times. That there are those who are righteous and godly. And even in the darkest of times, this is a promise of God's word. 
And so that, that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about tonight. And we're going to read Psalms chapter one. And I'm going to read this out of the, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read this out of the, the Passion Translation. And it says this, it says, what delight comes to those who follow God's ways. They won't walk in step with the wicked nor share the sinner's way or be found sitting in the scorner's seat. Their pleasure and their passion is remaining true to the word of I am, the word of God. Meditating each and every moment in the revelation of light. And they will be standing firm. Okay, again, this is the righteous, the godly. They will be standing firm. Remember, they're not gonna be wavering. They're not gonna be blown to and fro. They're gonna be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss bearing fruit in every season of their life. They are never dry, never fainting, ever blessed and ever plentiful. That's one road. But verse four, how different it is for the wicked. They are all, all, all they are is dust in the wind driven away to destruction. The wicked will not endure the day of judgment for God will not defend them. Nothing they do will succeed or endure for long. They have no part with those who walk in truth, but how different it is for the lovers of God. The Lord watches over them as they move forward while the paths of the godless lead only to doom two different roads that God's word lays out. And again, don't get tangled up in wicked and go, okay, I'm in the clear on this. The wicked just simply means the ones who aren't walking in the ways of God, the ones who are not deeply rooted in him, the ones who are not closely connected to him, two different roads. Matthew chapter seven, you just jot this down. I'm not going to read it. Matthew chapter seven refers to, it tells us about Jesus said there's two different roads. One is a narrow road and one is a wide road. That few get on the narrow road, but that narrow road leads to eternal life. But the wide road, many, 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 many get on the wide road, but it leads to destruction and heartache and trouble and pain. Psalms chapter one shows us the contrast of being deeply rooted in him versus not being deeply rooted in him. And I want, to t- I want you to see, because I'm gonna talk about in the, in the literal of being planted and being rooted, but I'm also gonna use it in the spiritual context as well. And if you remember, if you've read through the gospels in the Bible, Jesus talked in parables a lot, all the time. And he used a natural picture to speak of a spiritual significance. And so that's what I'm gonna do tonight with the planted. For any of those, whether you're gardeners or not, we all have enough sense to know there's a plant with roots that have to be planted in the ground for it to grow, okay? Even the the person that kills every plant. How many of y'all kill every plant you've ever tried to grow? Oh my goodness, okay. Okay, after the cookie decorating contest in the spring, Y'all need to have a gardener's night. (laughs) Truly. And have good soil and plant and and do a little planting gardening 101. 
because that hurts my heart. Plants are wonderful and flowers are wonderful and the spiritual significance to it is wonderful and y'all are missing out. Y'all, life, not death, shall be what y'all are gonna be called now. You are not gonna raise your hand and say, every plant I ever do is out. No, in the name of Jesus, we are gonna shift that and we're gonna have a night that's gonna help y'all plant the right way and tend to it. Is that a good idea? And y'all get like little groups together and do like little planting groups. But even for those of you who raise your hand, you understand there's a plant that has roots that have to be planted in dirt and has to have some sun and it has to have some water. And a little miracle grow every now and then doesn't hurt either. Okay? That's your basic gardening 101. Okay? So I'm going to talk. I want you to keep this in mind. I want you to keep that physical picture in your mind. But I'm going to also correlate it over to the spiritual as well. So let me do this. And again, well, we're going to roll through this. I'm not keeping you all night. Do you all have anywhere else you need to be? Okay. All right. Good. Laundry. House those dang kids you've got. Maybe animals, they can wait. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm not going to keep you all night. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you how to grow deep roots, and then I'm going to come back and give you the promises of being deeply rooted. Okay? Because some of you are going, okay, that all sounds fine, Heidi, but I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm going to help you how to be deeply rooted. How to be deeply, if, if we as Christians, we as women of God who love God, how, how can we have deep roots? Because when you're blown to and fro, as James says, it's because your root system's not deep. Your root system, your spiritual walk, your, 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 walk, your connection with God is not deep. And because it's not deep, whichever way the storm blows is the way you go. But there's a promise if we're deeply rooted in him. Winds and rains and pandemics and diseases and bad news may happen every single day. And because we're rooted and grounded in him, we will never be shaken. We will never be blown to and fro. And my prayer tonight, women, so many of you, and I really feel this by the spirit of God. So many of you walked in here tonight going, I can't put my finger on what's going on with me. I can't put into words what's going on with me, but something isn't right. And I don't know what to do about it. And my prayer has been that this is going to be your answer to that prayer that when you walk out of here, you're going to know, now I know what I need to do. And there's no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt. That tonight is just simply illuminating God's word to go, you may not be as deeply rooted as you thought you were. And it's okay because you're in the right place. And God's going to help you get those roots to go deep. So when you walk out of here to go, now I know what I need to do. So I'm going to give you three things in how to have deep roots. How do I have a root system in the spirit that's going to be deep, deeply rooted in him? Number one is this, you must be planted in good soil. You must be planted. Remember, in the physical, you got to plant a plant in good soil. You can't take a plant and go plant it in rocky, dry, 
undernourished soil, it's going to die every single time. The quality of your physical plant is dependent on how good that soil is. You can't cut corners. If your gardener's in here, y'all are giving me amens in your heart right now, I know. It doesn't matter how beautiful that plan is that you want to, that you go buy or someone gives you. If you cut corners and have cheap, ugly, undernourished, dry, rocky soil, that thing's never going to make it. You got to invest in the soil and make sure if the soil is good, the plant's going to be good. Okay. We're going to shift to the spirit. You see where I'm going? In order for our spiritual roots to be deep, in order for you to go to a place in God that you've always wanted to go. You have to have good soil. You have to have good soil. In Matthew chapter 13, you just jot this down. I'm not going to read it, but Jesus gives the parables of the soil. He said, there's good soil. There's some rocky soil. There was some thorny soil and the seeds was planted and the enemy would come and steal it away or it dried up or whatever. And then Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, he correlates soil to our hearts our hearts is, are the soil that our spiritual roots grow in. If our hearts are not tended to and cared for and nourished and watched over and fertilized and watered, our spiritual root system is never going to go deep because there's unforgiveness or resentment or hatred or anger or bitterness that we've not tended to in our own hearts. And so our hearts have not become good soil. And because our hearts are not good soil, our spiritual root system cannot be going deep. How do we have a deep root system? We've got to make sure that the heart, the soil of our hearts is good soil. God's word in Proverbs said above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flows the issues of life. Jesus talks about the parable, seeds, the words even tonight, God's word said are seeds that are being thrown right now in the spirit. Seeds that are being thrown in the spirit that are going to come to your heart. And if your heart has got good soil and if you've tended to it and if you've kept it and if you've watched over it and if you've guarded it, these seeds, God's word says, will take root and bear great fruit for his glory. But if you haven't tended to your heart and there's issues of your heart that you have not tended to and cared for and addressed, The Bible says that the enemy will come away and sweep those seeds away right immediately and they'll never take root because the condition of our hearts have not been correct. In order to have deep roots, we have to be planted in good soil. I'm gonna tell you this story real quick. There's a couple of different trips I've taken in the past few years. This is all pre-COVID before the whole world shut down. I go to Haiti every single year, probably for eight years for about eight consistent years. I haven't been in a couple. The last trip I took was in February of 2020 
to Haiti because I go there with Core Love every year and do a women's conference for them. And we came back from the plane in February, the end of February, 2020. And then a week later, March happened and the whole world shut down. So I go every year to Haiti. And then what I'm, again, this is a whole nother story, but what we're seeing on, on TV and the, the immigrants and just all the stuff from Haiti, just, it's just heartbreaking. Haiti is a, the, the, the poorest country in the, in the Western hemisphere. And if you've ever been there, you know, it is a thorough world country. It is horrific. The scenes on TV don't even do it justice. That's how bad and how poor this nation is. But with the most beautiful, precious, wonderful people you would ever have met in your entire life. That so many are so hungry for God. So I've gone every year for eight years and we do this women's conference and one of the years, and this was this, not this last trip, but a couple of trips prior to that, we were in a part of Haiti called Maya side. And it was, there was a girl in the boy orphanages and we go and we had the, the women's conference that night. And so we, our team goes and we always pray over the area and pray over the orphanages and pray over the children. And we, um, so I, I was that particular day, I was with the boys on the boys side and I was just walking by myself and I was just praying over the conference that night and I was just walking and praying and I came across and these, these little boys from the orphanage, they were, they were following me. And this was a new orphanage that Corlev had just built. So I didn't know these boys and these boys didn't know me. They just knew that there was this white lady with a lot of hair and was loud when she was... Uh, praying to somebody and they thought we got, we better follow her. Cause we never seen anything like this before. And so there was all these little boys following me. And one of the little boys, his name was, uh, Oh, uh, uh, how do you say his name? Hannah? It was, uh, Willman. It was very close to, cause my son's name is Will. What is my, what is my son's name? Elizabeth, what is my son's name? William. And this little boy's name was Will Mann. So that's why I was telling him, I have a son named William and, you know, and he can't even speak English. Like I, you know, but it's okay. I still talk to him. <laughs> and so all these little boys are following me. Will Mann could speak broken English. Okay, this is a whole other thing. I don't know about y'all. People that can't understand me, like if we talk in a different language, if I talk louder, surely they're going to understand me. <laughs> And the more they don't understand me, the louder I get, surely they're going to understand me. So I'm like screaming at these boys, trying to make them understand me. And they're just like horrified thinking, you know, and I'm going, no, I'm not mad. I'm just trying to get y'all to understand. Can you hear what I'm saying? You know? So anyway, so anyway, we're praying. So I'm anyway, it's a three week circus, but I'm praying. And so I come across in the back part of this orphanage, I come across a garden I didn't know what it was at first. It was just this big square. And if you're in Haiti, it's a dry, arid, desert conditions, no rain. The, the, the dirt is as dry and rocky and as, uh, just as undernourished as any, any soil you've ever seen in your life. And I wasn't sure what it was, but Willman could speak broken English. And so I get him over there screaming at him. What is this? What is this? And then he's able, again, it's not, it doesn't go as smooth as what I'm saying, but I, for time's sake, I'm going to act like it went smooth. So we go back and forth. And so he, he tells me, this is the garden. The children have built a garden. And there were a few vines in it. 
and you could barely, I think maybe cantaloupe, they had some watermelon vines. There, there wasn't, there was just a barely any fruit on it. And they were so proud of this garden. And the, you know how you will do a garden and you'll do like the edging and the borders of the garden. And if you have a garden or if you've seen pictures, you do it so beautiful. They were so, these boys were so proud of their garden. But the edging of their garden was just clumps of big uh, clumps of dirt. That as they were digging it up, they'd find these clumps of dirt. And that's what they edged their garden with these big clumps of dirt. And so Willman would say, Miss Heidi, it's our garden. Oh, okay, your garden. Okay, what is it? The cantaloupe or the, the watermelon. And then, of course, all the other little boys don't speak any English. And they're just, you know. And so, and Willman said this. He said, whatever we plant, we eat. I said, yes, you're right. We plant cantaloupe, we eat cantaloupe. Whatever we plant, we eat. In the natural. Let's twist it. Whatever we plant, we eat. Whatever we plant, we eat. So then I go, I have another trip and we go to Israel, which is awesome and wonderful. Israel is also in the Middle East. Okay, Haiti's not in the Middle East. Israel is in the Middle East, but it's also a dry desert climate. But we go to Israel and there's markets out and they have the most luscious, beautiful, huge fruit you've ever seen in your life. If you've been to Israel, you're gonna, you're gonna know what I'm saying. If you haven't been, you're gonna think I'm lying. And I'm telling you before the living God, I'm not lying. Huge, beautiful, luscious fruit. Like how in the world do y'all grow your mangoes that look like volleyballs? Literally. How is this fruit so delicious? It's in the Middle East in a desert condition. And when I was standing over that vegetable garden with Willman and all the little boys in Haiti, God immediately flashed me back to Israel to go, wait, the climate's the same, the dirt's the same, the area, the, 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 the desert-like conditions are the same. How come this country grows this most luscious fruit and Haiti grows this fruit that's so pitiful, but they're so proud of it. And as I went and I began to research what Israel does, Israel is one of the lead nations in the world of agriculture because of all the scientists and the knowledge and the resources that Israel has, they're able to pump back into their soil, pump back in the nutrients and the fertilizer and all that that soil needs. They have the resources and the know-how to do it so that they can grow luscious fruit. Haiti does not have the resources or the know-how to know how to do it. They're both been handed the same kind of soil but it's what Israel has done or is able to do with their soil that Haiti is not able to do with their soil. Are y'all catching? Are you catching what I'm saying? We have all been handed the same heart. What we allow to be planted in that heart is up to us. What, how we tend to that heart is up to us. How we pull out of that heart things that ought not be there is up to us. 
What we put in that heart and what we choose to let be stay in that heart is up to us because whatever we plant in that heart is what we will eat. And whether that comes out in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your children, the words that come out of your mouth, the relationships that are in your life, it is still true. Whatever you plant, you will eat. And in order for you to have deep roots, to have a deeply rooted uh, uh, heart system in, in God, deeply rooted in him, we have to be planted in good soil. Number two is this, how to have, a, a deep, uh, a, your, to, to have deep roots. Number two, you must be connected to the source. You have to be connected to the source. Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, Jeremiah uh, chapter 17, it says this, just jot it down. I just had it and I lost my place. Jeremiah 17, it says 17, seven, blessed is the man or the woman who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It will not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no uh, worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. The man and the woman who puts their trust in the Lord and whose confidence in in him is like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots out to the stream. In the physical, in order for a plant or a tree to grow, those roots have to find the source of water. If they don't find the source of water, they're not gonna grow. And in our spiritual life, we have to find the source who is Christ Jesus and Jesus alone, who is our source. John chapter 15 talks about that if you abide in me and I in you, you're gonna bear fruit. Abiding means connected to him. If we stay connected to the source, our roots are gonna go deep. If we stay connected to the source, our fruit is gonna grow. If we don't stay connected to him, we're not gonna be deeply rooted. We will not grow and we will not bear fruit. The source, the source is Jesus himself. And girls, let me just say this very quickly. And I'm not bashing anything I'm about to say. I'm going to put it in perspective and prayerfully put it in context. Our source is Jesus himself. Our source is not social media who talks about Jesus. Our source is not podcasts who talk about Jesus. Our source is not even online church, though that has a place and it's appropriate when it's necessary. Those areas, those are resources that we can use to see our growth happen, but it is not the source that we are to plan in because those things are not Jesus himself. And in this day and age that we live in, and especially during COVID, what's happened is that everyone's gone to all these technical sites and social media and the podcast, and that we believe, we take that as truth as it's if, if it's God's word. And so much of that is man or woman's opinion, and they've created God in their own image. Not everybody, but some. And if we're not have discernment and recognize who our source is, we connect to the wrong thing, and we wonder why our root system isn't deep and why our fruit life's not bearing fruit. We have to remain connected to the source. Number three is this. How do we have deep root systems? Number three, our roots must be unseen. 
our root system has to be unseen. In the physical, if roots are seen, they are not deep. In the natural, if roots are seen, they are not deep. And if our roots are not deep and the winds and the waves come and a hurricane blows through here, it's gonna wipe that tree out and that plant every time because the roots are seen because they're not deep. Switching to the spirit. If roots are seen, they are not deep. Deep roots are unseen. But we live in a Christian culture that wants to be seen and wants to be heard. Is that true? We live in a culture, and I'm not talking about the lost culture. I'm talking about Christian culture. We live in a culture that wants to be seen and heard when our deep roots are supposed to be unseen. It is what's happening underneath the ground between you and God only that only you know what that root system looks like. Now the fruit of that's gonna come out and it's gonna bear fruit and other people are gonna be able to see it, but it's not because you're the one tooting your horn about what you've done or, or and what, what, what your root system looks like. It's because, because your root system is unseen. It's unseen. Our roots have to be unseen. Bob Goff, a great author, and many of you have read his book, says this, Jesus' strategy for self-promotion. You wanna know what Jesus' strategy for self-promotion was? Go and tell no one. All through the gospels, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he, 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 uh, oh, blind eyes were open, woman with the issue of blood was healed, demons cast out of people, and he tells people what? Go and don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Go and tell no one. But what did everybody do? They went and told everybody because they couldn't help but tell of the change of life that Jesus had brought to them. He said, don't go tell. He didn't say, make sure you go post this. Make sure you get a selfie with me so people can like this. Make sure you make this go viral. He didn't say any of that. He goes, go and tell no one. Let your life be an example and a representation of the work of God in our life. And how it plays out today because it's everything is seen and heard is that we want to publicly advertise and say all the things that God's done for us. Okay, is that wrong? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying you've got to check the heart behind it. Because if you're living your life and life change is happening in you and your root system is deep and you're grounded in him and fruits coming out of your life, the Bible says that others will proclaim your good works. You don't have to proclaim your own good works. You don't have to post all the things that you've done and how God's used you in such great ways. And share this and like this with all your friends so they can see the wonderful works of God in my life. God's word says, let others proclaim, let others give you praise. Let others proclaim your good works. I'm not saying posting what God has done is wrong. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. It's the heart and the spirit behind it. If we're living a life that's been transformed by Jesus, and fruit is coming out of our life. 
Others are going to see it whether you post it or not. It is a changed life that is a testimony to the goodness of God. It's a changed life that's a witness to the work of God in your life. Just be very, very careful that you don't fall into the trap of feeling like you've got to post all this to prove to other people what God's done. Live your life for him. In a dark world, your light's gonna shine and nobody has to repost about it. They're gonna see it because you're living your life for the glory and for the honor of him. Does that make sense? Okay, very quickly, and I keep saying this, but I'm gonna do this quickly. Promises of being deeply rooted. This is going back to Psalms chapter one. Promises of being deeply rooted. How to get your, how to have deep roots. I just went through that. And then Psalms chapter one tells us specifically how the promises. This is what you can stand on if your root system is deep. Number one, it says this, Psalms chapter one, verse two, and I read it. It says their pleasure and their passion is remaining true to the word of I am, meditating on it each and every moment in the revelation of its life. Number one is this, our pleasure and our passion will be found in the truth of God's word. Our pleasure and our passion will be found in the truth of God's word. This is, this is the problem and the heartbreak of where we're at in a culture today is this. Nobody knows what the truth is anymore. No one knows what the truth is anymore. So whatever anybody says is just, okay, I guess it's got to be true. If the news reports it, I guess it's got to be true. If the podcast says it, it's got to be true. If the social media influencer says this is the way it is, it's got to be true. Because people have lost their passion and their pleasure with the word of God. And because we have a generation that does not know the word of God, that does not stand on the word of God, that does not meditate as Psalms one says on his law day and night, because we don't know the truth of God's word. Whenever truth comes to us from out there, we don't have a standard to lift it up to, to be able to say whether it's true or not. We have to love the word of God. We have to have a passion for the word of God. And all you have to do is ask for it. 1994, and I would never forget this in all my life. It was New Year's Eve, 1994. And we were at a church in Houston and it was a New Year's Eve service. And we were praying and asking God for a new year and to be blessed and all the things that we were praying for. And I remember standing up before God and going, God, and I've always loved God's word. I've always read God's word from a little girl. But that day I stood up and I said, God, I want to love and know your word like I've never known before. I want to have a passion and a heart for your word, God. Give me a hunger for your word, God. That's what I want this year. And from that moment on, girls, don't ever ask God for that unless you're willing for him to give it to you such a hunger, a love for the word of God, a love for what truth is so that when truth is said that all the way out there and all the things that they're saying truth is, and you can hold it up to God's word to go, no, that's not true. 
that's not true. That's not true. But you're never going to know what truth is unless you know what God's truth says in his word. Those that are deeply rooted in him will have a pleasure and a passion of knowing and loving and hungering after the word of God. Number two is this, a promise, promise of being deeply rooted. Number two is this, a flourishing life that bears fruit. If you're deeply rooted, you can have a flourishing life that bears fruit. Verse three says this, they will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of their life. Psalms chapter 92, verse 13, and I referenced it earlier. It says, those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. If we're deeply rooted, our responsibility is to be deeply rooted. If we hold up our end of it, nobody can be deeply rooted for you. No one can make your roots go deep, but you, nobody. We can give you opportunities. We can give you information. We can give you things to do. And we're going to, I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but it's your responsibility to go. I want to be deeply rooted. And if you take that responsibility, God's promise is you will flourish and you will bear fruit. You be deeply rooted. God's promise is that you will flourish and you will bear fruit. Everyone wants a life that is flourishing and fruitful. Everybody does, but not everybody's willing to pay the price and do the work that it takes to have deep roots so that you can flourish and so that you can bear fruit. It's a responsibility. You can pray for fruit. What is fruit? Just what comes out of your life. Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long suffering. What is coming out of your life? I want love. I want joy. I want good things to come out of my life. I want godly things to come out of my life. We can wish for that all we want to, but if we're not planted, if we're not deeply rooted, and if we don't take the responsibility of being grounded and rooted in God, fruit's not going to happen unless you're deeply rooted. We have a responsibility. We can pray for fruit, but if you don't pray for deep roots, it's never going to happen. You have to, we have to take responsibility. Number three is this, what's the promise if you're deeply rooted? Number three, that you will walk with the godly, not the wicked. To walk with the godly, not the wicked. That's verse five where it says, the wicked will not endure the day of judgment and God will not defend them. They will not succeed or endure for long. They have no part with those who walk in truth. And the wicked do not get tangled up again in the wicked. The wicked simply means when you're not deeply rooted, you're not connected to him, you're not closely connected with God. The promise is that we will walk with the godly. Psalms chapter one, two different paths. What a godly person's life can look like and what a person who doesn't walk with God's life looks like. And this is what, this is what we have to distinguish and I can go through the word and I don't have time to do it tonight. But throughout the word of God, it talks about being connected with those who are of like mind. We are to love the lost. We are to reach the lost. But we are not to walk and stay closely connected to the lost. We are to surround ourselves with those who are righteous and godly. We are to love the lost. Absolutely. 
But if you, if your circle of friends and if the people of your life of influence are ungodly people who aren't walking in the way that you're walking, you're not going to influence them. They're going to influence you and your root system is going to be nothing. And the winds are going to come and you're going to be blown everywhere because you haven't had the right people to connect to. You've got to make a decision that you're going to surround yourself with other women that are going to be like-minded, that's going to love the Word of God, that's going to have a deep root system. Because when you're weak one day, you need their strength. And when they're weak one day, they're going to need your strength. That's why they're, and Lauren has told you about the discipleship groups and the small groups that are coming out of this and the leaders that are set up. How do you get a deep root system? Get connected to a small group with other women in your life that's going to surround you and support you and help you and pray for you. And you can grow your root system together. We love the wicked. We love the lost. We reach the lost. Absolutely we do. We don't isolate ourselves from the lost, but we don't connect with them and walk with them in covenant. We walk with them in covenant with those who are godly and are like-minded and walking the same road we walk. Surrounding yourself with others who love God and whose purposes are much like your own. And number four is this, and Victor can come back and I really am going to close now. Number four is this, a promise if you're deeply rooted. This is, this, is, this is the most assuring, reassuring verse in this scripture. Verse six says, but how different it is for the lovers of God. The Lord watches over them as they move forward. Number four is this. The promise of being deeply rooted that the eyes of God will watch over you. The eyes of God will walk over you. Watch over you. Those of you who are mamas in here, mamas can do 10,001 things all at one time. But our eyes are never off of where our child is. Especially those children who are still at home. Your eyes always know where your child is. You can be doing laundry. You can be cooking supper. You can be on the phone. You can be doing whatever. You can do a million things. But your eyes always, you, you know where that child is. God's promise is that those who are deeply rooted in Him, those who are godly connected to Him, whose hearts are so adjoined to Him, whose minds are so connected to who He is, the eyes of God will watch over you. No matter where you go and what you do, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter whether you feel Him with you or not, His eyes are always on you. Because some days you're going to feel Him you're going to walk into a service like this and you're going to feel the presence of God. But then you're going to walk out into real life and sometimes you don't always feel His presence. He's still with you. But His Word says that the Lord watches over those who love Him. And another verse in Psalm says that He guides you with His eye. The eyes of God are going to continually Watch over you. 
because you're deeply rooted in Him. So pandemics can come and go and seasons are gonna come and go and bad news is gonna come and go. And whatever you're walking into out there, His promise is His eyes are gonna always watch over you. Because girls, I'm not gonna be, I'm not being a Debbie Downer when I say this. I'm just gonna be truthful. Whenever this pandemic is over, if it is ever over, there'll be something else. And then there's gonna be something else. And there's gonna be something else. And and I'm not being negative. We live in a fallen world. We live in a nation who's turned their back on God. And God is moving and walking and shaking this earth to get people's hearts turned back to Him. I'm not saying He's caused COVID to happen or caused these horrible things, but He certainly uses them. The confidence that you have, fear has no place in your life if you're assured that the eyes of God watch over you. Anxiety has no place in your life if you're assured and if you're confident that the eyes of God watch over you. Storms don't scare us. Bad news don't, doesn't bring fret to us because our roots are deeply rooted in Him. And because of that, the eyes of God watch over us and come whatever storm that may, we will not be shaken because the eyes of God watch over us. And girls, if we don't get this grasp tonight of being deeply rooted in Him, you have to get this because you're gonna walk out of here and meet 20 other women who need to know this. And then you become the mouthpiece of God to go, I know how I've lived my life and I know what God's word says. And I know people are gonna look at your life and go, what is the hope that you have? You're walking in peace, you're walking in love, you're walking in joy, you're walking in happiness, you're walking in faith, the world is falling apart. What is your hope? And you're gonna be able to tell them, Christ Jesus is my hope and my roots are grounded in Him. And no matter what happens, I will not be blown to and fro because Jesus is the rock that I stand on, that I'm rooted to, that I'm connected to. And come what may, I will not be blown to the side. They're waiting for that answer, girls. They're waiting for it. But if you're blown to and fro in here, you're not gonna be able to be stable out there. The eyes of God are on you tonight because He wants your root system to go deep. Because He wants you to connect to His heart. And He wants you to tend to the areas of your heart so that your roots can go deep. I want you to bow your heads and let me pray for you tonight. There's two groups of girls that are here tonight, two groups of women that are here tonight. There's some of you here that may have come with a friend or you may have been invited and didn't know what you were walking into. 
or you may have come because you've come on Sundays and you enjoy the services and you wanted to come see what this was about. But you haven't made a commitment and you haven't asked Jesus to be Lord of your life and to reign in your heart and you're blown to and fro. And with every direction of the wind, you're blown one way or the other. And every news report gets you more discouraged and more fearful. And every phone call makes you more discouraged and more fearful. And you've walked in here tonight going, something's got to change. I can't keep doing this. God sent his son, Jesus, to walk on this earth, to live a blameless and perfect life. To go to the cross take your sins so that we wouldn't have to die for the penalty of the sins that we've carried in our life. The Bible says there's only one way to him. The world would tell you there's a million ways. God's word says there's one way and his name is Jesus. And some of you need to receive him as Lord and Savior of your life tonight so that your roots can begin to grow begin to deepen in Him. There's another group of you here tonight that you do know the Lord. You are saved. You're born again. You're a believer. You've given your life to Him. But after tonight, you've realized that your hope and your faith has been put in everything else but Him. That your root system's not as deep as you thought it was. That this season has knocked you off track. That you've allowed yourself to be blown to and fro you've realized that your root system isn't connected to the source, the rock, Christ Jesus, and that your desire in your heart tonight is that you would be deeply rooted, not just rooted, but deeply rooted in the security and the safety and the refuge of Jesus Christ.